Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the H2O Podcast, now on Monday night. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! Hello, Tim Harvey. Hello! Okay, now, this is not, uh, for those of you who are watching live, this is not our normal configuration. No. Um, it's... We do have audio. Okay, yeah, we've got audio. Just double checking. I'm monitoring where there's quite a bit of a delay on uh, on things, um, which I'm not sure why there's a bit of delay on things. Uh, the hashtag H2O podcast. The email H2O at sci-fi for me dot com. And tonight. We are going to talk about Star Wars Celebration. We're going to milk this for all we can get. Uh, as well we should, well because we should. you guys yes. did some pretty impressive things out there. Yeah, uh, it was it was really interesting uh, experience, uh, to say the least. I'm, I'm going to, now, just as we were starting, the microwave beeps, so I'm going to go get my coffee here real quick. You vamp for a minute. Um, tell, tell us... Tell us your story as to why you're there and not here in studio. I'm sure that's a story that people are going to be dying to know. Oh about. yes, I'm sure it's riveting. Um, well, short version is is my kid was in town this weekend and um, haven't spent a lot of time together over the last several years. It's one of those things you got grown up kids. I'm sure that some of our viewers and listeners will will know what that's like. Anyway, um, they went off and spent some time with. Uh, their friends on Saturday, and I went to the gym. Um, I spent the last several years working a job where I drive all the time, so I'm always sitting down. And um, I work from home now, where I sit down all the time. So getting back and you know, you gotta you know, fight gravity. It always wins, but you gotta fight against it, right? So go to the gym, and I think I just overdid it. I've managed to. <clears throat> pull something right from about here to here. So I'm pretty sure it's just a muscle thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just, it's like, ow. <laughs> Some people are whining. So, you know, but I had a great time with my kid. It was, um, uh, for those of you who, who have for any reason might've followed me on Instagram, you know, I do a lot, I, I film a lot of burlesque shows here in Kansas city and, um, happened to be one this, this weekend where, uh, um, Annie Cherry, who's a nationally known uh, performer uh, based out of Kansas City and 40th birthday celebration. So a lot of really fantastic and talented people came out and uh, got to pay tribute to her. And so my kid, who had never been to one of these shows, um, and just they had a blast. They just had a ridiculously, <laughs> I'm not much of a social creature and social butterfly all over the place. I mean, oh, there are all sure. these people. All these people in amazing costumes. The theme was Rococo, for those of you who, that's sort of like your 17th century French All right. big wigs and, and brocades. Yeah. Beautiful, amazing costumes just by the audience. 
let alone the performers. Oh, the audience wore costumes too. Huh? A lot of uh-huh. them did, yeah. And it was amazing. It was really cool. And so, you know, my kids over here going, tell me about your costume. And, you know, just I'm like social, you know, not social, my butt. Um, <laughs> so they had a fantastic time. We had a great time. Um, and um, for those of you who, like I said, I, I film a lot of these shows and uh, for usually for uh, a group here in town called Bohemian Cult Revival. I wasn't asked to film, um, which is fine. Um, and I'm like, I'll just go as the audience. This is, I don't, I haven't done that in a really long time. Right. Yeah. Got to intermission. I ran out to the car and grabbed one of my cameras. I just couldn't take it anymore. There was all this amazing, <laughs> cool stuff happening on stage and nobody was filming it. And Not, it was just nobody killing. at all. I didn't see anybody. Uh, I mean, the audience members had their, some of them had their phones out and right. stuff, but there was no, it was just, so I've, I've been looking at some of the footage and I'm like, well, it's not great. Cause I'm sitting in the front row. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. And so every time one of the performers got like within three feet of me, the footage looks great, but they didn't stay there. <laughs> <laughs> and the location, the lighting is always weird, but it's anyway, we had a fantastic time. Um, and it was a great weekend. Um, I was very, very tired today. I'm sure. Because, you know, yeah, just kind of running around and being, you know, having a good time with my kid. It was great. Well, speaking of, uh, speaking of good times, uh, superhero stuff.com, uh, yeah. gives us, um, gives us, well, it doesn't really give us a good time, but you can have a good time with some of the things that, uh, that you get there. Uh, they have all sorts of, I need to find the button. Where's the button? <laughs> He's lost the button. I've kid. lost the button. Oh, that's because there's not one in this set. Uh, wow. yeah, you know, you plan and you scheme and then it meets reality and real and human beings. So superhero stuff.com is a sponsor for sci-fi for me TV. If you go there, place your order, uh, licensed merchandise for all your favorite franchises, and you can get 10% off when you use the discount code SCIFI for me 10 when you check out. And uh, that can be used in combination with uh, other uh, reduced prices and sales and that kind of thing. They just had a bunch of Captain Marvel, Shazam, well, yeah, Captain Marvel and Shazam items that just dropped. Uh, over there, so they're always adding new stuff. Um, they're under your Marvel and your DC Joneses, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, The Walking Dead, Godzilla, Transformers, Doctor Who. I mean, just all of it. So, uh, so there is that. Um, yeah, so Star Wars celebration in Chicago. Ah. So explain to folks who may somehow not know what this is, uh, because because while we certainly do, and we, you know, it, it's, there's a certain assumption that the folks who, who listen to us and watch us, of course, are, are the kind of fans who, who consume this kind of information the way we do, right? Right. But at the same time, um, you know, it is uh, fan, the fans of Star Wars, the fans of the Marvel Universe, the DC Universe, whatever it is it's far beyond that core group of fans that we used to consider fandom, right? It has become, it's, it's a global phenomenon. Right. So, so talk about what, what, it, what is, what is it? What is it? Uh, well, Star what's it all about, man? Star Wars celebration started 20 years ago. Dan Madsen and uh, Steve Sansweet 
Steve Sansweet over at uh, Rancho Obi-Wan. Um, he was working at Lucasfilm at the time. And Dan Manson was the publisher of what eventually became the Star Wars Insider magazine, which started out as the Star Wars fan club newsletter. And then it became the Lucasfilm fan club newsletter. And then it went back to Star Wars and then it became the Star Wars Insider. Well, Dan was the first publisher of that. And they organized the very first Star Wars celebration in Denver mm -hmm. 20 years ago. And it was in a giant air, air, airplane hangar. And that was it. And Anthony Daniels was there. And it was raining. And I heard the story. I think Dan, uh, Dan Manson, we interviewed Dan while we were there. And he was talking about uh, that, first, that first year. It was raining. It was cold. Everybody's standing out in line. And Anthony Daniels, completely on his own volition, got up, went outside with the umbrella over his head and he's going out there and he's just shaking hands with everybody that's standing in line waiting to get in. It was fun. And that's, it, that has since evolved into this massive event. Um, you know, it's, it's basically now it's on a scale that you would find with something like San Diego comic-con or salt lake, uh, yeah. Or New York, where you're basically looking at anywhere from 80 to 100, 110,000 people probably. It didn't really feel like there was that many. But, you know, you could conceivably have, you know, 80 to 100,000 people at this thing. And this you think it was, was just like a, 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 layout, a layout thing? Because we, you and I have talked about, um, you know, especially with Planet Comic Con here, uh, watching it evolve over the years and, and that, that – the uh, ease or lack of ease moving through aisles. Mm -hmm. uh, and some years it's been really, really cramped, even though you're in this giant space. Yeah. And some, some years it's been like, you know, this actually feels maneuverable. Yeah. Well, and, and I was in, this was in the same place that uh, C2E2 was in a few weeks prior mm. to this. It was in a different building, but it's in the same complex. It's, in, it's, it's McCormick Place is where they were doing this. And uh, the, the aisles were fairly wide. Uh, you could, you know, there was a lot of you know, pretty good flow of traffic. There, wasn't any, you know, there weren't any places really where things snarled up except over in the tattoo area, the tattoo pavilion. Oh. Because that's a very, that's a very small, confined space. Um, part of that because health codes and rules and how it's got to be laid out and, and sure, all sure. the mess. Uh, and of course, we were dead dead center in the middle of all of that because McKenna had to get a tattoo. Star which, Wars tattoo. A Star Wars tattoo. And it was a thing. And uh, these particular tattoo artists were licensed by Lucasfilm, so you could do Star Wars art, uh, which she did. She got it up on her shoulder. That's it's over on uh, the Salacious Crumbs Facebook page. Um, now one has to wonder if you got a tattoo of a licensed Lucasfilm property. Uh -huh. Do you become a walking billboard and you get a residual? Well, that would be lovely, but no. I'm thinking, you know, does do Disney's lawyers come after you and say you're going to have to get that removed? No, because it's it's licensed. <laughs> it's licensed. So. No, but I'm just like if you're, if you're not a licensed. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, you get a cease and desist. <laughs> Well, and I would imagine that the tattoo artist would get a cease and desist, you know, don't do any more like that. Um, Dear Mr. Smith, it has come to our attention <laughs> yeah, exactly. that you have 
Well, Darth and, Vader on your leg. And Please you know, and that that one. prompts a thought that we probably want to think we would talk about at some point. Fan art. When you go to a lot of these conventions, yeah. you have these people that are selling all of this art. There was a there was a guy at Planet a few years ago that was selling um, leather goods. So he would have you know DC and Marvel art from pages of comics or cover art or something, and he basically has has that burned into wallets oh, and sure. keychains and stuff and i was like do you have a license for that and he's like well no <laughs> I was like, okay um that's not a good thing but anyway to go back to your question star wars celebration is this big fan collection uh it's like a comic con but it's specifically focused completely on star wars and they've got uh, they've got you know your usual the your usual suspects. You've got the vendors that are selling merchandise, and you've got your comic book shops that are there. You've got a lot of people that are selling tchotchkes and collectibles and vintage toys and and whatnot. And uh, uh, it was it was one of those things where everything every everywhere you turn, and of course all the cosplayers are there. Um, GJ Video says it wasn't as busy at Star Wars Celebration because people don't like this sequel trilogy and have lost interest. I would argue that that's not probably entirely the case. Um, things flowed pretty well because this there was enough space for it. I I think you're going to have those people that are out there that don't want to have anything to do with the new trilogy, um, but the people that are paying the money and going to the expense of getting to Star Wars Celebration, they're going to be your hardcore, diehard, if it's Star Wars, I'm going to watch it type of fans more than anything else. You're certainly going to have those detractors who sit there and say, I like I like Star Wars, except this part of Star Wars. You know, like well, prequels or midichlorians or Abrams or Last Jedi or whatever. But uh, but for well, the most I mean, part, in, in, you know, it's it's perfectly acceptable for fans to, you know, maintain that such and such series ended when it did, mm-hmm. even if it they're still, you know, yeah. I personally think that there were two really, really good 1990s Batman films. And I'm not aware that there were any that followed. <laughs> Both of them were directed by by Tim Burton. And I will defend um, you know, uh, Danny DeVito's Penguin, um, pretty, pretty loudly, and Michelle Pfeiffer in a cat suit. I will defend these things, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, well, and 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 this this thing started. But see, uh, we got to looking. There have only been in the twenty years that there have been celebrations, there have only been thirteen celebrations. Uh, so oh, yeah. they don't happen every year. They mm. happen generally around something. They're oh, okay. t- they're so timed to coincide. They, a, yeah, a they coincide with something. For example, in this particular instance, this year we have episode nine. We have the Mandalorian. We have two video games. We have a, the final twelve episodes of Clone Wars. Yeah, all of this stuff. This becomes this big a thing. Few things. And the twentieth anniversary of the Phantom Menace. All all of this happening all at once. So it was this confluence of things. Sure. And as we're driving home from Chicago, we're thinking, you know, because they made the announcement that, uh, that there's going to be a celebration next year in, in Anaheim. Mm. And we're trying to figure out what, what it's going to – what it's going to include because there's no movie coming out next year. 
that we know of. Uh There might be a video game. That we know of. Because I have a suspicion on the video game stuff. There might be a video game. Um, Galaxy's Edge is going to be open by then. So maybe they've worked all the bugs out at Disneyland. So that's it's right there. So McKenna's, McKenna was thinking that maybe one of the VIP packages would include a day at Galaxy's Edge. Oh, nice. Yeah, sure. But there's there's nothing. I mean, Mandalorian is only supposed to be a limited series. So if it hits really well and does, you know, gangbusters in the, in the numbers – Maybe we get a season two, or maybe we get a spinoff sure. with maybe Gina Carano's character or so, something. But mm-hmm. Clone Wars is done. Resistance isn't that popular. So what, maybe the Game of Thrones guys, Weiss and Benoff, get you know some sort of an announcement or a trailer, a teaser or something next week. But, but it's still, that's not enough yeah. to justify a celebration. So something is in the works somewhere and my theory they haven't told us yet but i think a part of it is going to be kathleen kennedy's farewell tour i'm going to get into that a little bit later because i have an entire drawn out long theory as it relates to kathleen kennedy but uh i want to share that just yet maybe a little bit later on in the discussion here where we get where we get to stuff but um This year it was five days. Normally it's not five. Usually it's three. Uh, in the past it's been three. And uh, this year it was five. But, of course, you know, again, you have all of this stuff that's going on. Right. And uh, we got in to the Episode Nine panel. We got into the Mandalorian panel. Um, McKenna got into the Galaxy's Edge panel. We did not get into you know, the. They instituted a lottery system this year where you could apply. I want to get into this panel, and right. you either did or didn't, depending on how they how they put all the numbers out. And sure. we didn't get into the 20th anniversary of Phantom Menace, and we we were supposed to go in for the Fallen Order, the Jedi Fallen Order video game panel. But the crowd was such that McKenna was just like, "Nope, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna watch it for over here. Thank you," <laughs> because for the for most of the panels, they cleared the rooms. Oh, sure. Okay, this panel is done. Go this way. Pick up your poster. Pick up your freebie on the way out, and they clear the room. And then, of course, right. you know, if you're coming to the next panel in that room, now you got to turn right back around and get back into the into the line. And some uh, of them were – it was just this mass – you know, this ball of people in, in right there at the stairs. It was just, uh, right. no, we're not going to do it. So uh, so she watched that. But we got – we got a lot of good information. We got a lot – it was it was a lot of it – was, it, was, it was fun. It was a good experience. The Mandalorian panel was really interesting because this show feels like a Western. It feels like – a Clint Eastwood Western. Think Unforgiven more than a fistful of dollars. It's not a shiny Western. Right. Well, this sounds like a good idea, actually, for this kind of character. Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, when you consider the influence, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about uh, Lucas's, uh, the influence of mythology on Lucas, but you also have to look at Japanese cinema. Uh, you have to look at the Western 
You yeah. have to. There's a lot of things that went into Star Wars and the ideas that formed what Lucas was planning to do with the with the film in the first place. And so, this kind of character lends itself really well to that frontier. And of course, there's always something fun about the frontier of space and the and the Western analogy. I mean, it's Firefly. It's it's all the different. There's a whole bunch of different you know uh, ways this is played out in, in fiction. Um, so that's that sounds great to me. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And and Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian, he talks about you know when they were telling him uh, what kind of research to do. They said uh, a lot of Clint Eastwood. They said watch a lot of Sergio Leone. Um, and of course the <laughs> reference Kurosawa. Sure. Um, so you know there is there is all of that in the makeup of this, but. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun. We got. I am I'm assuming now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment where the cat has gotten into something. <clears throat> no, no, I forgot to turn off my air conditioner, and so oh. there's probably going to be this rumble in the background on my audio. And I didn't hear it that it, much. I heard I heard a little hissy thing right there at the at the at that. Just a, for a brief. It'll shut off here in a second. But so my apologies, folks. If you're getting some extra noise, I don't hear noise. anything. I don't hear anything. Well, good. Now. Excellent. So, but uh, yeah, this this uh, this feels very much like a western. Um, it's got that sensibility to it. Um, those of us who were actually in the arena got to see stuff that nobody else got to see. Um, are you, are you it, going to tell us what it was? It has it has since well, there have been leaks, so you could yeah. probably find them. But um, I think that it's kind of a bad thing when people do that. Um, but basically, what we got in there, we got a we got a little bit of a sizzle behind the scenes look at production. Mm-hmm. And you know, talking about the the genesis of this thing and and what what tone they're going for. It's set, I think, five years after Return of the Jedi, somewhere around okay. there. So you don't have to worry about matching a bunch of continuity. Uh, sure. You know, is that canon? That's not canon. Um, and then we got a sizzle reel that has a number of pieces in it. That those of us who have been fans since 1977 will appreciate, I'll say. Was, um, was there swinging? Was there like audience? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The audience, <laughs> the audience just blew up. They went nuts. Um, you know the the security eye that came out at Jabba's palace when yeah, you know three uh-huh. yeah, PO knocked on the door and this thing shoots out and wada, 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 you know that right, thing. Yeah. Well, that thing's in the Mandalorian. There's one of those at, in a in a scene, and everybody just, you know, they just lost their minds. Which tells you something about. <laughs> yeah, it was like, what fans, doesn't it? But what was interesting in that panel, because John Favreau and and uh, Dave Filoni led that panel, and Gina Carano was there, Pedro Pascal, Carl Weathers. Yeah. Um, the the gist of the story is what a Carl, fantastic cast. I know Carl Weathers character hires the Mandalorian to go after this thing, the, the, the object. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a, it's, we know it's a living being bring, bring back alive if possible, you know, it's preferred alive. So that's, that's the setup. 
So we get the scene where he gets hired. Nobody has seen that yet. And it looks good. I'll have to say it looks very good. Um, it it feels like it, it it feels like it lives in that star in that Star Wars universe, the the original okay. trilogy universe, um, in terms of visual tone and style. Yeah. That lived uh, in space, that sort yeah, of yeah, uh, lived in space, but also the color palettes and the way it's sure. shot and and the way it's lit. It's not overly bright. It's not, but it's not dark and gritty either. It's right there. It, it, it think about the cantina and right. Star right. Wars. All right, you get that vibe in all of this. So it, it's it's right there. But what's interesting is when when Favreau and Filoni were talking about coming coming to this this story. Favreau's been pitching it for years. He's been trying to get Kathleen mm -hmm. Kennedy to do this thing for years. Right. And they had this story and he just he, he over Christmas one year he pounded out all these scripts and sent one to Filoni. He's like, well, "What do you what do you think?" And so that began this this back and forth. But all of the conversations that they had about the background, the foundation of this show, includes everything in canon and in the extended universe and in the animated shows and in the holiday special. Now, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Okay, so you may have. I'm not saying you've lost me. <laughs> no, no, wait. I'm not okay, that. so in the, in the Star Wars Holiday Special, for those of you who are not aware, the Star Wars Holiday Special was the very first appearance of Boba Fett. Right. And in that, it's a it's an animated short, and in that he it's has the only reason to watch. <laughs> he has a weapon. He has a rifle that's right. got this kind of a shoehorn. Thing, a, 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 a horseshoe shaped thing on the end of it, right? Mm -hmm, right. That's the Mandalorian's weapon. He's got that gun in this show. Everyone's like, we're drawing right. from everything. I mean, that's one of those Easter eggs. You look at that and you go, I know where that's from because I watched that show once when I was young. Watched it when it aired. Yes. Yes, watch it when it aired. Oh, by the way, there was there was holiday special cosplay. There were people cosplaying as characters in holiday special. As well it was, they should. It was so much fun. But but yeah, as that well was that was that was the gist of it. But but I don't think that they pulled very much from the holiday special other than that. But the the idea because Favreau even said, those of you who have been fans for forty years you're going to like some of the things that you see, all of the Easter eggs. Sure. But the best piece of this story, there was a scene that they were shooting. They had to have stormtroopers. And Favreau mm -hmm. was talking about how they, they put this scene together. And uh, we, we've got stormtroopers, but we, we don't have enough. He, you know, Favreau realized we don't have enough stormtroopers in this scene. And it was funny the way Filoni was talking about it on stage. He goes, you know, well, well, I I know some stormtroopers. <laughs> he calls the five zero first. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and says, I need some stormtroopers at X and so space, X and so time. Okay. Explain who the 501st are again, for those folks at home. Yeah. For those, for those who are, who are, who are, who are just learning about all of this, the 501st is the name for one of the star Wars cosplay groups. The 501st are the guys who, who primarily dress up as stormtroopers Biker scouts, snow troopers, ATAT drivers, TIE fighter pilots, all of the all of the armor. That's yeah. the that's the five oh first. And the five oh first is basically just this name that somebody came up with. Uh, I think one of the chapters in, in California basically said, Oh, you know, we need something to call it, you know, five oh first, Vader's fist or you know, whatever. And Lucasfilm officially adopted the five oh first as Vader's squad in the extended universe mm-hmm. so they've sort of become official canon ish and then of course you have the rebel legion you have the mandalorian mercs you know the rebel legions are all the type are all the all the x-wing pilots and the 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 hoth snow snow troopers and you know that that group princess leia yeah. and han solo and whatnot and the mandalorian mercs are all the boba fets and the bounty hunters and and such and then you have uh, Dark Empire, which is things like Imperial officers and people who cosplay as the Emperor. or you know, So it's all divided up. You get the droid build, you get the R2 builders, and you do this. So uh, Thomas from Multiverse Tonight, by the way, says that even the Rift Tracks crew had a hard time making that holiday special better. It's very true. Very true. Uh, but yeah, also all of these groups uh, do their various different specialties for cosplay. And in order to have your cosplay, your costume approved, it has to be very specific match to on-screen used uniforms. So if right. I say if I'm going to put together a Darth Vader from Return of the Jedi. Everything has to match Darth Vader from Return of the Jedi. It can't be Darth Vader from Empire Strikes Back because the details are different. Sure, the sure. Che- okay. The chest plate is different. The uh, the chest plate's different. The belt's different. You know, there's there's different pieces of the costume that are different from going from movie to movie to movie. Right. So in order to be approved, as as and we were at at Planet Comic Con, there was somebody there dressed as Bush. Which was Leia's bounty hunter disguise in Return yeah. of the Jedi? There was somebody right. there dressed as that, and they were getting their official approval stamp, you know, photographs and all that taken because it has to be submitted. You just have to say, okay, here are all the pictures of my costume, and then the home office, as it were, they say, yes, this is this is screen accurate. So Dave Filoni calls the calls the five hundred first. And he says, I need some stormtroopers at such and such day, such and such location. Here it is. Didn't tell them anything about what it was for. So the 501st, now normally, you know, they do all this. Yeah, they do parades, they do charity events, they do all of right. these different things. And, you know, they, they frequently will do things for Lucasfilm, some PR stuff for Lucasfilm, you know, depending on where they are. Mm-hmm. So they go out there, they show up, and they get in the scene. So you've got people in the 501st who have absolutely no idea what they're doing showing up at the at the thing and 
Favreau says, you know, the funny part is, is all of these guys already knew how to act like stormtroopers. Yeah, because that's what they do. <laughs> and Filoni, Filoni was talking about how how some of the costumes were were more screen accurate than some costumes that have actually been on screen in the past, you know, and all that. And then and then then the capper on it was when he looked at it, and after they got done, fin- you know, after they finished shooting, he looks at him and he goes, "You guys all now have screen used costumes." And the room just uh-huh. went wild. The audience just loved that because I mean that's yeah. that's just a cool moment where you know you show up expecting to do some sort of a charity thing and now you're in the TV show. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a crazy moment. That's fantastic. That that would be. I mean, for especially for some of these folks who have done. I mean. It's easy to forget that a lot of fandom stuff is not just a bunch of people getting together and having a good time, um, enjoying whatever it is that they love in terms of, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, whatever. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But yeah, the Five of First has had done a lot of stuff with charity and a lot of stuff that is actually far and beyond the the just you know fans getting together and having a good time. Right. Um, so yeah, that's very very cool. And 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 the idea that you know now you can watch the TV, you can watch the show, and you can sit there and go, "There I am, I'm 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 the dead one right there on the floor." You know, I'm that I'm that one. I'm dead trooper number six. You know, something like that. That that's gonna be that's gonna be so much fun because now you know, I mean, and and Gina Carano, uh, it was funny. She was talking about you know. The she said the five hundred first guys were were working harder than some of the people that were there all the time. I mean they were yeah. they were just in. They were one hundred percent hardcore. You know, let's do this and do it right. So it it, it says a lot about the the people who have <laughs> taken the time to build these costumes. So, um, so cool. But yeah, that was that was that. There was the Empire. You know, of course, there was the episode nine panel. Um, mm. Which, let I guess let's see where are we? We're at eight thirty. I guess I can go ahead and start this. I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I'm gonna share my Kathleen Kennedy theory. Uh huh. So I noticed this vaguely peripherally in the episode nine panel, and then I noticed it for sure. At the Mandalorian panel. Um, so Stephen Colbert at the episode nine panel, he's got a book that's got all his questions in it. Sure. So we're scripted. This is not going to be don't ask any questions off book type of thing. It's you stick to the book. Right. Sure. So he introduces Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams together. Sure. They come out and they they do their thing, and they're talking about the show. They're talking about you know what what to expect in the movie and all of this. And Jay and Kathleen is letting JJ answer most of the questions, and all of her answers generally have to do with how well everybody did and what it was like to be back in Jordan for them because they they shot in Jordan for for a couple of other things, right? So she didn't really contribute very much. She let JJ do a lot of talking. 
And then JJ mentions this new evil that arises for them to fight. And Stephen Colbert, of course, he's got the book. He's now JJ. You mentioned this evil, this new evil. What can you tell us about that? And JJ looks at Kathleen Kennedy and says, "Kathy," and you know they make a big joke that you know with this new evil, Kathy, and ha ha ha, yuck yuck yuck. Kathy's the new evil. Well, that tells me a couple of things. That tells me one, they're very aware of what some people think about Kathleen Kennedy at this point with regard to some of the decisions that have been made on the creative side of things where um, The Last Jedi is concerned, where Solo is concerned. And there are people that are not happy with Kathleen Kennedy right now, and they want her out. And they were not happy when it was announced that she got her three-year extension deal at Disney here, what, a year ago. So that that was the first little nugget. When that happened, I thought, oh, okay, that's a PR move more than anything else. We're going to diffuse and defang everybody who hates Kathleen Kennedy by acknowledging that everybody hates Kathleen Kennedy. She's the big evil. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Okay. That was the first bit. Well, then she... Uh, a little bit later on in the day, um, the the Star Wars show, they had the live stage, which was in the hall where all of the booths and the vendors and everything were set up. So you could go, you could watch this all the all the live long day every day, starting on sure. thir- starting on Friday. And at one point, they brought out Kathleen Kennedy and Daisy Ridley. Okay. Now again. Kathleen Kennedy was not introduced by herself. They brought her out with somebody who's very popular as part of the new franchise. So who's going to – I mean, really, who's going to have a negative reaction to Daisy Ridley, right? I mean, she's she's a talented performer. She does really well with the material she's given. She's attractive. She's young. She, you know, Everybody likes Daisy Ridley. Some people may not like her character that much. You know, the whole Mary Sue aspect of it. But Daisy does a really good job with what she gets. So everybody loves her. And then in the Mandalorian panel, Kathleen Kennedy was introduced with Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. At no point during this entire five-day event did I ever see Kathleen Kennedy get introduced by herself. Because that would have painted a target on her, and that would have made it possible for people to boo her and have some sort of a negative reaction. But if she's coming out with somebody else, that mitigates that. Because who's going to boo J.J. Abrams? Because J.J. Abrams is going to save the franchise or, or, or something, right? Okay. And nobody's going to boo Daisy Ridley because, you know, I mean, she – yeah. And then when she came out with The Mandalorian, I mean, John Favreau, Dave Filoni is the hero. Dave Filoni is the is the second coming of George Lucas for some people. This isn't their thing. He's the he's the heir apparent for a lot of fans. Nobody's going to boo them in order to get to Kathleen. And then at the Mandalorian panel, Kathleen Kennedy is standing there. She's got John and, and Dave 
next to them. And she's talking about how great John and Dave are and how great the Mandalorian is going to be. And now it's the John and Dave show. And she was off the stage in less than four minutes. Gone. And so I start putting these little pieces together. And it's totally anecdotal, totally circumstantial. But here's my thought. Mm -hmm. Kathleen Kennedy is already done. The extension that they announced at Disney with Bob Iger, we have reports that Bob Iger was not happy with how Lucasfilm was performing after The Last Jedi and Solo. We have reports that he was specifically not happy with Kathleen Kennedy after all of this. Then I saw something, it was a. It was something, and I, I got to track this down to see, but apparently there was an interview with Kathleen Kennedy at the red carpet in the back, and they were asking her about the whole The Forces female shirt that, you know, there's that photograph of her with a bunch of female staff from Lucasfilm wearing this sure. The Forces female. Well, apparently they're even backtracking from that. Because according to this, according to this uh, that I heard, uh, what she said in that interview was basically Nike made this shirt and sent it to them, and so they wore it. They took a picture, but the force is really for everybody. So it's it feels like they're doing a lot of PR massaging, a lot of reputation management in this, mm-hmm. and they're reducing Kathleen Kennedy's footprint in this event. Add to that, we've got the entries over on Glassdoor where they're talking about how Lucasfilm right now is not a happy place to be because you have the Kathleen Kennedy crowd and then you have the other half of the staff that's not really happy with what Kathleen Kennedy's been doing. Whether that's a politics thing or a creative thing, there's a lot of different things that are going on in that mix where people are not happy with Kathleen Kennedy. So what I'm thinking... This is pure speculation on my part. I want to make it very clear that I am just totally spitballing this. I think that Bob Iger sat there and said, okay, your deal, the the responsibility when you got hired was finish out the nine, the nine films. Do the right. last trilogy because Lucas had always come up with this idea that there were nine films. Sure. And which at the time – we all thought that Kathleen Kennedy was the was the logical choice because she'd worked with Lucas, she'd worked with Spielberg, they trusted her. Everybody said, you know, she's a she's got a track record. You know, Indiana, all the Indiana Jones movies. She's worked with Spielberg for years, so everybody thought it was fine. And so what I think happened is they made the deal with her. They said, okay, you're going to finish the trilogy, and then you're done, and you're going to gracefully exit. So they announced the extension. To cover that time period because we're not going to fire her immediately after The Last Jedi because that's bad optics for Disney. Sure. So we're not going to throw Kathleen under the bus right now. We're going to stand behind her long enough to get that last movie out. So December of 2019, we get The Rise of Skywalker hits theaters. They do all the press junket. They do all of the stuff after that. It makes a billion dollars. It does Buku box office. Kathleen Kennedy sits there and says, you know, I did what I was hired to do. It's finished. It's time for me to move on. She goes and hangs her shingle with her husband, Frank Marshall, over at Paramount. 
In the meantime, you've got Dave Filoni and John Favreau working on live action. This is this is Filoni's first time to direct any live action at all. And according to them, during that Mandalorian panel, they've been having a lot of conversations back and forth about live action. Filoni is getting up to speed on doing live action. Sure. So one of the things that people were speculating about when they extended Kathleen Kennedy's deal was there's nobody to take over. Nobody wants it. J.J. didn't want it. Filoni didn't want it. Nobody wants to take that position. So, right. So what I'm thinking is Kathy's out. They hand it to either Favreau or Filoni or both. Okay. If they do a co-presidency, Favreau can handle the live-action stuff. Filoni handles all of the, the animated stuff. Sure. Or they split responsibilities on the live-action TV. Favreau does the movies. Filoni does the animated stuff. Because okay. you still have sure. – you still have – you know, you still got to finish out Clone Wars. That's done. After that, all you've got is resistance, which mm-hmm. is not that great. So you've got to have something to fill that void once Clone Wars is finished. So they're going to have to do another animated something back then. And then The Mandalorian can't be the only live-action show that they do. So there's going to be something that comes after that. Right. And if you have – I mean John Favreau proved his his geek cred chops with Iron Man because mm. a lot of people are like, Fav- John Favreau? What? Right. Okay. Yeah. And – because up until that point, he played he played um, uh, uh, a Foggy Nelson, yeah, in in Daredevil. We don't even know anything about what Favreau could do, but he's he's earned a little bit of goodwill from fans over the years, and you know everybody sure. thinks that he can do this. So that's my that's my prediction, that, and and it lines up now with April with with Anaheim twenty twenty being the next celebration. That's Kathleen Kennedy's farewell tour where she says, it's been really fun. I'm having such a great time. It's great now that this whole thing is done. I, I, I completed the mission. And now we're going to hand this off to uh, – oh, was it Beinhoff and Wise or whoever the guys are, the Game of Thrones guys. Right. And they're, they're, it's their, tri- their trilogy is next. Here they are. I'm out the door. It's been fun because Bob Iger is on his way out as well because Bob Iger has announced that I think what 2021, 2022 is his last year, something like that. So he's on the way out the door because his mission is completed. They finished the Fox acquisition. Mm -hmm. That deal is done. So he's on his way out. I've done what I've set out to do. I have finished my work. Now it's time for me to go. A Kathleen, can look at that and she can point to that and say okay bob's on the way out i'm going to do the same thing and now there's precedent for her to leave on a high note because you know there's history she's got she's got gravitas as it were Mm -hmm. and it'll be a deal kind of like what sony did with um what's her name um she was the president for a while, and then all of the email stuff blew up, and then she got her own. Oh, right, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. recall it off the top of my head, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. Because she's producing the Spider-Man movies. Um, it'll be something like that, but it won't be at Disney. She won't get a deal at Disney. She'll go back. 
and she and Frank Marshall, her husband, who's been producing all of this time and directing, they'll they'll get they'll do something together. Yeah, that's my theory. That's and that's, and that's, I, I don't I don't say anything inherently wrong with that theory. I think that that probably makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, for and it's a way for everybody to save face. Well, and you know, yeah. I don't I don't have the I've, I've never had the the urge to particularly blame her for for anything that's gone with this. I mean, there's just if you look at what went on with the the production side of Solo. I mean, there's. To be honest, there's 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 things she can control and there's things she can't. Yeah. And creative decisions that people sit there and go, this sounds good, like a great idea. They don't play out the way you you hope. And that's not that's not a thing. I mean, you can you can blame somebody for that sort of thing, but it's kind of it's like you're looking for someone to blame. Yeah. You know, a decision was made, and so I, I think overall, I think overall, you know, she gets to go out having done the job. Whether some not everybody loves that job, that's well, shock, shockingly, nobody ever will. Yeah. So I mean, I think that, that that makes a lot of sense, and I think I think uh, it probably was a good PR move on their point to have her go out with folks who are likely because, and I think that would be very unfair uh, for people to boo her in the first place. I mean, right? That just you know, well, and, and, it, and at, an, at an event like this, it may not happen. But at the very least, with with doing it this way, you reduce the chances of that to uh, bare minimum at all if it ever happens. So, which um, is good because, to be yeah. honest, I like that. I think that that for all for all that fans care about the material, they care about the things they they love. Um, you know, again, small reminder here, folks: the people who produce this stuff are people, and <laughs> what you, what you. You know, there there are people just like you, and and it's booing them doesn't do anything except make you look like a. Speaking of speaking of things we love, characters that we love. Did you see all of the all all of the uh, internet chatter about Tom Kane? I did not. What great, <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact that we love Tom Kane. Oh, let me let me tell you a story. So again, for the folks at home, Tom Kane is an, an amazing voice actor. Yes, he does incredible work. Um, he has been uh, Jason and I. He, he Jason and I have known him for God, how long now? What I we I I met him at a Planet Comic Con. Oh, I want to say during the second season of Clone Wars. So let's see. Um, Randolph Carter was what five years ago now. <laughs> eight. Oh, has it really been that long? Okay, so we probably yeah. know, we've probably know Tom probably about nine or ten years back. Yeah. So Tom Tom is also the voice of Yoda for those of you who watch the Clone Wars, and and he's been he's been the voice of the Academy Awards. He's an amazing Smurf. He's done uh, um, uh, various Marvel characters for their anim- their animated films. Yeah. Um, he's he's a fantastic fantastic voice guy and a really nice really nice person. Yeah, and for the last six years, he has been the voice of Admiral Akbar, right? Who's a very popular character, who got all sorts of things to do in the extended universe, mm-hmm. and so so Tom's out at the the Star Wars live stage. And there are clips of this. The only thing is the the clips are being taken out of context. And everybody is just, you know, Tom's a hero right now because of this. 
So the the headlines are running somewhere along the lines of Star Wars actor insults the last Jedi. Are you, uh, you know that that sort of that sort of of sentiment where basically they're saying that Tom is is speaking out same as the fans have been mm. because at at one point during the conversation there on on camera uh, it's like you know I've been I've been Admiral Ackbar for 6 years now and then he then he you know I'm not really happy with the fact that he just got blown out of the side of the ship you know he's upset with the death of Akbar because you know then you got this other character who is this holdo woman when nobody knows about you know nobody cares about this this character and she gets the he's basically making the point yeah that I've made that Holdo got what Akbar should have gotten. It should have been Admiral Akbar getting that scene, that hero's death, because he's got the history, not sure, only right. in the in not only in the stories, but also with fandom. Fans know this character. The, you right. know, and, and and one of the one of the problems that I've had with Holdo from the very beginning is nobody is emotionally invested in her character, so her sacrifice really means nothing. Right, and that's Tom was making that point kind of trying to make a joke out of it but trying to make that point now of course a lot of people are are taking it and running with the identity politics side of things that holdo is this lgbtq signals intersection character that didn't need to even be in the in the movie and i'll agree that she didn't need to be in the movie she was a totally unnecessary character but the guy that was hosting that segment of the show very quickly, he's like, oh, let's talk about Clone Wars. And so, of course, everybody is blowing a gasket over this on online saying, you know, Tom Tom said what we've all been wanting to say. You know, he's he's an Internet hero right now. And I said, you know, and so I so I sent him a note. I said, uh, you know, it's it's he's like I was, you know, I was just making a joke. I was just talking about, you know, Akbar's death being so meaningless and uh, he said, "He says I hope I don't lose any gigs over it." And I said, "Is that a risk?" He says, "Probably." Yeah. And I'm thinking, um, I hope not. I, I don't think, and I haven't heard anything from him from him of late. I I'm hoping that this does not affect his uh, his relationship with Lucasfilm. But given the fact that they're they seem to be, and this is just, again, this is an impression. They seem to be walking back from a lot of what was done in Last Jedi. I think Tom's going to be okay. I would, I would imagine that he would be. For one, you know, you, you would like to think that the people running this would know that taking this sort of thing out of context doesn't do anybody any favors. Right. Um, and it would be doing a disservice to somebody who has had a long, fairly distinguished career with the franchise. So I think that, that would, I would, I would prefer to think, uh, <laughs> uh, that people would go, okay, well, you know, it's a thing and, and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I would hope. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. So that's my, that's my theory on Kathleen Kennedy. And and some impressions from from Star Wars celebration. It was it was a very long five days. Um, you know, normally we go to these things. They're 
Saturday, Sunday, or their Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The th- you know three right. three days max. And we, well, we haven't even talked about what we did. I mean, there was. Well, they can see a lot of what they, we did. They yes, you they can. Did I was I was back here, um, but the, we could, a lot of that is over on our YouTube channel, which is where we're broadcasting here. This this I show. know, so it's very so, easy to find. The the thing is, you know, you talk about you know knowing people, you know, we know the five hundred first and whatnot. We actually managed to get in on Wednesday during load in, and mm-hmm. shoot some behind the scenes video of some different things getting set up, and you know, crate. Yeah, you know, but there's crates everywhere, and there's boxes everywhere, and there's forklifts going back and forth. There's loaders, all this stuff, stuff that you don't see when you're at the event because right. it's all yeah. done. Well, we got in there and we made a deal. We we shoot some footage for the five hundred first as they're setting up some of their stuff, and then we got an an interview with Stefan Sebalista, who is currently the LCO, the the commanding officer. It's an elected position. He's the commanding officer worldwide of the five hundred first. Oh, sure. Okay. And he's also part of the Belgian prop builders. Uh, and for those of you who are watching last year's celebration streams uh there's a millennium falcon set that they debuted last year the belgian prop builders built this set it's a it's a replica of han solo you know the dejaric table and then the place where han solo sits and says good against the living that's something else you know hokey religions and that that station is there and then you go down the hall and on the other side of it now they have the the solo version of the Jajaric table, the cleaner, oh. the cleaner version when it was Lando's ship. Right. Yeah. So all of that's there. So we got to talk to him about, you know, about the props that he's building and all of these different things. Now he was there with second and third degree burns on his arm because right. he had had an accident. Some boiling water had fallen over on him and, and burned his arm. He was there against his doctor's advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was like, no, 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 we got stuff that's got to get done and, and I've, I've got to be here. So, uh, but we got to do all of that on Thursday or on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we were the only ones in the world, on the web, anywhere, yep. live streaming from Star Wars Celebration. Because the Star Wars people weren't streaming on Thursday. Right. They didn't start streaming until Friday. And our numbers reflect that. You can tell, oh, yeah, they started watching the real stuff on Friday. But on Thursday, we pretty much had the captive audience. We, we had people that were watching yeah. from all over the place. They were watching from the UK. They were watching from Spain. They were watching from Australia. They were, you know, they were watching our stream. They were like, thank you guys so much for doing this. It feels like we're there. Because we were just wandering around pretty much all day. You know, oh, here's this, and here's this, and oh, look over here, and look at this, and look at this, and this, and we broadcast pretty and much getting, most of the day. And getting some direction from from people yes. online, just go yeah. look at this thing. Yeah, we got some interactions. People's like, are you seeing any droids? Do you see any droids? Yes, so there cool. are droids right over here. Here's some droids. Do you see any vintage toys? Yes, look, here's some vintage toys over here. Here's the Funko Pop. Go see the Lego. Go look at the Lego. Here's the Lego. So, <laughs> yeah, that was it was fun. And then at one point, uh, we met up with uh, Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers, who's another YouTuber. And yeah. he's one of these that's not too thrilled with The Last Jedi, not too thrilled with Kathleen Kennedy. And he's got a following. 
And so he, he came onto our stream and his audience came with him and looked at our stream and said, suddenly, I mean, the, the second half, the, well, the first, the first half of that day just blew up. We're close to 8,000 views on it now, which is unheard of. for us. That's quite a jump given the fact good. that most of our shows, you know, we'll have maybe double digits if we're lucky. This thing just blew up. Yeah. And uh, at one point, I think I was seeing that we had some somewhere a little over 300 people watching the stream at one point. And so we were doing we were doing the thing and we didn't do it exactly the way that I originally planned. But it worked right. out yeah. because McKenna was there. I was streaming over here on, on the YouTube channel. McKenna was streaming on the Salacious Crumbs Instagram and we were going right. back and forth into all this stuff. But because of everything that we did those three days, we jumped over 200 new subscribers. So we're close to 1,200 right now. We hit 1,000 just before we went to Chicago, which opened up our ability to stream live from mobile devices. Right. And then we, we were just shy of the amount of watch hours in a in a 12 month period in order to qualify back to get our monetization tools back because we right. had them at partner level you get those and then they changed all the rules and suddenly we didn't have them anymore yeah. and so uh so we went past we we crossed the threshold because of what was going on at, at celebration so the guy everybody all of you people who were watching when we were live streaming at Chicago, you guys got us over that hump. You got us to that point where now, I mean, it automatically triggered the review process to get us our monetization tools back. And then I think it was last, I think it was last Monday or Tuesday, I got an email saying, congratulations, you're at verified partner level again. I was like, okay, good. We got it. We got it back. We got our monetization tools back, which means now we have Super Chats, mm -hmm. which is a new thing that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. And at some point, uh, I will remember at the beginning of the show to mention that we have Super Chats now. <laughs> um, well, and it's one of those things where YouTube changes the thing while you're gone, while you can't access the thing. And now you can access the thing, but now you got to figure out how the thing works. Right, yeah. So Super Chats are basically a way that you could give us money to support all of the things that we're doing here. And you, 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 leave, a, you, can leave, a you know, leave a message with it, and we, you know, we, do, we acknowledge them and read them or whatever. So sure. you can give us the Super Chat. The Super Chat is basically, here, I'm going to give you 10 bucks. I'm going to give you 20 bucks. I'm going to give you $2, whatever. So that happens in the live chat that comes as part of the stream when we're when when we're doing one of these when we're streaming live the right. live chat is where you throw those super chats in. So we haven't gotten one yet, but as soon as we do, I'm sure there'll be a party or something, but um <laughs> but but that's that's that. And I, then that's party. That's uh, <laughs> still not still not dress, dressing up as Sailor Moon. Not gonna do it. Uh, GJ Videos asked, "Did you enjoy the Last Jedi and like the direction that Kathleen Kennedy's taking the franchise?" Um, that's a mixed bag. Um, I, for me personally, visually, the Last Jedi is a gorgeous film. 
it is it is very much an homage to, to Kurosawa movies. Um, the cinematography is fantastic. I think the story's crap. Myself, um, Tim has a different opinion, but um, uh, I, I don't. It's not. It's not my favorite Star Wars film. It's not, and it's not that it's going to. But I don't. I have never been able to develop the kind of I hate this movie and and be angry, get angry about this. I've I've disagree. I can disagree with what a film is doing, what mm-hmm. a TV show is doing, with characters that I care about. But I just, I've made films, worked on films. It is a hard process. And what you start out trying to do and what ends up being the thing that screens are sometimes worlds apart. Yeah. And that's nobody's fault. And so getting angry at people like Kathleen Kennedy or, the, or, or Johnson or any of these folks who are involved with the creative process, you know what? It might be justified. But it might not be. And I just can't get angry about this stuff. As much as I love Star Wars, I couldn't get angry about Discovery Season 1. I couldn't get angry about, you know, all these things. You mean Star Trek? I know. It's all, yeah, it's Discovery, Star Trek Discovery Season 1. Yeah, but you but, said Star Wars. <laughs> uh, well, no, 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 but I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's the same kind of thing. I can't get angry about, you know, I can't get angry about what, whatever, whatever showrunner does whatever about Doctor Who, whatever. Right. I love these stories and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I just am I ha- Is it my? It's not my favorite Star Wars film. That's the that's the worst I'm going to say about it because the Return of the Jedi is this amazing movie, and if I never see another Ewok in my life, I'll be fine. <laughs> okay, and that that can get me knifed in some quarters, and I'm a, you know, which is ridiculous, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's I don't think the story's crap. It's not what I wanted. I, but I think for me, the anger comes from the reduction and the deconstruction of Luke Skywalker more than anything else. And when I saw the movie, um, I saw the movie with with Mindy and Mindy's mother and my son and his mother and her husband and we were all we're all sitting there and watching this movie and as I'm watching what happened to Luke and the depression and the regret and the sense of failure that he had and and the bitterness that had basically overpowered him at that point I saw me and I didn't like that. I'm like, this is Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is not supposed to be me. Luke Skywalker is not supposed to be broken. And some of that is informed by his arc in the first trilogy. He was always this brash, hopeful, optimistic, wide-eyed, starry-eyed adventure kid Mm -hmm. who grew into this very mature, in control. You know, it's embodied in that one, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, where he rejects his anger. He rejects the dark side. And he even says to Obi-Wan, he says, there's still good in him. He was always the optimist. He was always the one that was sitting there saying... This is going to work out okay. And to see him broken like that in The Last Jedi 
was so completely out of character for Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight or not, you know, whether he had he had become this powerful Jedi master or not was completely irrelevant. <clears throat> it was totally inconsistent with that character. And even if you factor in the extended universe, all of the novels that had come out, you know, between now and then, you know, granted they're not canon anymore, they're all considered right. legends, but every single book that has Luke Skywalker in it as a character, with the exception of the Crystal Star, every single one of those books, you recognize Luke Skywalker, the hero, the optimist, the good guy, the one who's always seeing good in other people. I mean, you look at look at the arc that he had with Mara Jade in those books. Mm -hmm. Mara Jade hated him, wanted to kill him, ends up marrying him because he he turns her. He says, there's still good in you. That was not the Luke Skywalker we got in The Last Jedi. And when I looked at that and I saw his utter sense of failure at everything that he'd tried to accomplish, I saw me. And I didn't like it. And I don't ever want to see that movie again. I'll tell you what. Um, I, I have a certain fondness for watching heroes be human. Because... Mythic heroes, and here's, we, you know, okay, so Star Wars is modern myth. We've talked about this before. Right. And the problem with making mythic heroes human is that so often it's really hard to get right. Mm -hmm. I did not inherently have, from a story standpoint, let me just make that very clear, from a story standpoint, <laughs> I did not, I don't have a problem seeing Luke Skywalker like that. But you know what I didn't get out of that film that I needed? I needed to see more. I need to see there's 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 a there's a lead here, okay? And just there's there's these decades in between. Mm -hmm. And there's not enough there's not enough there to break him. Even you show don't tell, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay? So so when you have the 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 heroic sacrifice spoiler alert um that's a great redemption moment for you know do the thing and and save the world right right but the problem is is that if you're going to break a character down like that if you're going to give us that character broken you have to give us either show the breaking points show them show them make the audience feel them or if you're showing that character there's the character broken you have to take the time to to make the audience understand, and that to me is where that film doesn't do the job. Right, is I agree. It doesn't give it enough time. I don't inherently have a problem with a broken Luke Skywalker, but give me the depth that the character deserves to give the audience the pain mm -hmm. of the broken Luke Skywalker. Yeah, and that, and again. You know, I don't know what the script was was doing. You yeah. know, I don't I don't know what that that was it was it there? Was well, is that and, is and, did that exist in, in a version of the story that we just we're never going to get to see? Because yeah, it's, and when you you, know, when you mentioned it, it's funny you mentioned that because when I when I look at this at this Luke Skywalker, the pain that you're talking about that we should see isn't. I'm not seeing Luke's pain. I'm 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 reflecting on my own. 
Yeah. And well, <laughs> that's that's we not what we don't go to the theater to see us. No, 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 no. Especially especially that version of me. That's a version of me that I really don't like seeing. Um, and I don't like confronting it even now when it's when it's out there, you know, when I have moments, because I still have moments. You know, you and I have talked about this a, a number of times. Oh, yeah. You know, those you know, you and I both, you and I both understand the, 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 the depression and and feeling of of not accomplishing the things you want to do. And a lot of our you know viewers and listeners can I'm sure you guys can relate as well, because, you know, this is these are very human things. But I just I don't. Uh, it feels like I'm, when I finished watching that film, it felt like I was missing part of the story. Yeah. And for a lot of things that I really enjoyed about that film, it is beautiful. And there's some great moments in that film. Um, it also felt like they tried to do something, which I'm all, you know, experiment, play with the canon, do the things, guys. No. That's what creative, creative people do. But if you're going to do that to this kind of character, you got to give me give me the breakdown or give me the rebuild yeah. you got you get those are your options kids because and and unfortunately that's just not there and it's you talk not. about you know we talked about holdo's uh scene earlier the the idea yeah. that it was not earned um i i think the same can apply to skywalker's death because like you're saying we don't have enough to, there's holes in the story yeah there's not enough there to justify where he's at emotionally, mentally, and then and then he comes back from that. How do you come back from that? Because I've been where he's at. You don't just bounce back like that. You know, it's yes, there's a threat, there's a thing to do, there's a task that has to be done. I'm the only one that can do it. You get back in the saddle and you force yourself to do it. But it's not easy. And, and that- we didn't get that. We didn't yeah. get that that grind that he has to to has to have gone through to get back. And the thing that the thing that bothers me more about a broken Skywalker is the fact that, like you're talking about, with all of this being modern myth, these are these are archetypes. Mm-hmm. And when you start playing with the archetypes and subverting the archetypes, then you you break what that archetype is for. Those archetypes well, are archetypes for a reason. They have meaning. They have a significance in the structure of a story. But but the thing is, is that there there is an archetype for this kind of character, for the for the character who is the hero who has lost their way, who has who has turned who's who's put the the pl- the sword into a plowshare, whatever it yeah. is, right. They, they've turned their back on their heroic self, right? This is this is a big thing in mythology as well. You know who and, did it? You know who did there, that? There, you just have to do it. Yeah, you know who did it right? And mm-hmm. I hate to even say this. Mark Wade did it in Kingdom Come. Oh, yeah. Because no, Super, yeah. Superman had done it. He's like, I, I'm done. And he went off to himself. Now, you know, Mark Wade has since lost whatever creative edge he's got, but... You know, Kingdom Come is a very, very, very well written book, and oh, yeah. it has that moment. It has that mm-hmm. I I turn my back on everything, and you see him uh, come back from that in a in a way that feels natural to the character. We didn't get that. The last I needed to be thirty minutes longer. 
It you think? It needed to be 30 minutes longer. And, and it needed to have a plot. But I needed to have 30 minutes of Luke. Yeah. And, you know, that's just, and people can argue it, but I will say this. Uh, a million years ago, or 20, I guess, when the Phantom Menace came out, uh, my girlfriend and I at the time took her daughter to see Phantom Menace. Mm. And she had been raised on the trilogy. This was an uh, 11 year old girl at the time. And so her eyes were full of stars and magic <laughs> and happiness when we walked into the theater. Yeah. And Kamala and I were watching the movie and we kept glancing over at each other. Yep. Because trade delegations <laughs> were not part of our Star Wars, right? Where that we were the generation that saw it in the theater. Right. And so this was not us. This we're like, okay. And we kept glancing over at the kid. Because this is the eleven year old kid. This is the audience. This is the one. This is this is who these films, in some ways, are for. It's for the child in all of us. That's a little cliche, but I don't care. Right. So we were like, glance at each other. What are they doing? Glance at the child. Okay, child is enraptured. And we're like, we are. We we walk out of the film. We're going. <laughs> smile, smile, <laughs> and we're looking at each other, and we're not going to say a thing. We are not going to. We are not going to impinge on her enjoyment in any way, yeah. because that's you don't do that, right? If you are, if you are a good parent, you don't do that, right? And the, but we're waiting. We're getting halfway to the car, and she was like, "It's not as good as the other ones." We're like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> Talk about it now. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, it's it's one movie, guys. It's one movie, and and it's not what it's not what we wanted. But you know what? The story's not over. Well, and it, it's funny. It's funny you say you know it's not what we wanted. McKenna made the point when we were talking about you know as we were wrapping up. She said, um, you know, one of the things that bothers her about fandom as it is right now is you have these people. Uh, who complained that The Force Awakens was too much like Star Wars. It was a retread. We want something different. And then you get something different with Ryan Johnson, but it's not what you wanted. And you're like, well, you can't win. I was like, well, I think it was a different kind of different that they were looking for. It's, you're, you're looking for well, different. You're looking for different, but you still want different that's, that feels like a Star Wars movie. And And uh, The Last Jedi did not feel like a Star Wars movie. I mean, we're out of gas. We're running out of gas is the plot of that movie. It is the dumbest MacGuffin that you could have in a film. We're running out of gas. Okay, so if you've got all of these ships and they're all running out of gas, then you take one ship and you throw all the ordnance you can on that one and you take all of the gas from all of the other ships and you put them on one ship and that ship gets away and the and the ship with the bombs goes the other way and you get away and that's a, that's a 5 minute film i mean you, you know, you're done in 10 minutes you escape done finished boom i just i just want you to know that down this way lies madness <laughs> dustin and i have been doing the walking dead reviewing the walking dead for 
uh, eight, yeah. nine years, yeah. nine years now. And you know what? It's the same kind of thing. Where is the, where's the map? We've, we've lost our minds. Yes. We don't know where anything is. We don't have, we don't know how things work. I, we don't know. Just, how, we don't know how power. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, I mean, for as much as the hyperdrive attack thing, blowing the ship was just, it was, I, I will give it, it's a phenomenal visual. Yep, that yep. piece where she, you know, when that ship goes into hyperspace and breaks up the other one, and it just goes, the soundtrack goes completely silent. I thought, oh, that's, that's an, that's an, that's a moment. But a moment doesn't make a movie. Right. A moment is not enough to sustain that film. We're running out of gas. We're running out of gas. We're running out of gas. Yeah. And then how so, many people are left alive at the end? What, 20? That's the entire resistance? And I, and I'll, and I, you know, and I'll take a, I'll take a poke at JJ. We didn't get any kind of an explanation as to what this resistance is, because what are they resisting? If the Republic is the government, what are they resisting? You know, the resistance at that point, you know, is whatever's left of the Imperial, you know, you've got the Imperial remnant out there, whatever becomes the first order I would, you know, logically, they're the ones who are resisting the Republic. So I'm like, there's pieces of this that just don't make sense. They don't work. You know, you know, you know what the one of the problems with fandom is? We stare directly at the plot. I know. And if, and if we've learned anything from comics and novels and movies and audio plays and a lot of things, that, that way does lie madness. Yes. Well, and it's funny because uh, it's glorious madness. <laughs> well, and we had somebody ask uh, on on one of the uh, on one of the videos that we that we posted. I think I think it was uh, a trailer park where we're talking about the episode nine trailer. Um, was asking, do you guys ever get to turn off the work part and just sit and be able to enjoy something anymore as fans? Because because we're wrapped up in all of this and doing this, you know, creating this content or writing all these news articles and doing all these interviews and all this stuff, do we ever get to just enjoy it? Yes. Sometimes yeah. we do. I tell you what, um, a little little plug for two for two podcasts coming out. Um, one, um, Dustin and I did Zompocalypse. Now the, the Walking Dead is finished its season. We reviewed. Yes, we know it's been out for several for for several weeks now. We reviewed us very spoilery. Uh -huh. The review that I did for for sci-fi for me was not spoilery. Dustin and mine is very spoiler. And this weekend, my kid and I went and saw us too, as well. So there's a sequel already. I, I, yes. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to. I've got these like two podcasts, and I'm going to turn into one very Frankenstein podcast oh, with all three of us. Yeah, it's a good magic and terrifying, um, but. But here's the thing, um, for for an example of that, um, I thought Us was an excellent film. It's a it's an excellent horror film. It has some serious story problems, and I didn't think about it in the theater. Yeah, I it did not get in the way of me enjoying the film, and that is something that a lot of horror films I don't have that I don't have that with. So I give credit to to that cast and crew for giving me a film where I just sat there in the theater and went, oh, 
this is awesome. Mm. And then now walking out to the car, my brain sat there and went, right. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah. But yeah. but for those moments and and yes, yeah, so in the theater, I just watched the I just watched the the uh, sec, the final episode in the second season of Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. And it's got some problems as well. But you know what? I was caught up in the moment. Yeah. Except that after I finished watching it, I sat there and went, that scene was about 30 seconds way too long. <laughs> and that's a problem. But you know what? It 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 appealed to the Star Trek fan in me in so many ways. And it was designed to. It's such a clearly designed episode. Yeah. It's like, this is for you, mm-hmm. and this is for you. And I'm like, okay, guys. Speaking so. of Star Trek... That gives me an opportunity to plug the article that I'm about to post. Hopefully I get it done tonight and can post it tomorrow. It's an interview with Ian Spelling, who was a writer at Starlog magazine. Yes. This is part of our tribute to Starlog this month. Um, Ian Spelling, uh, for those of you who don't know anything about Starlog, Ian was a writer for a number of years. I think between 85 and 2009 when the magazine went away, he was a freelance writer for Starlog and did a number of articles on Star Trek, uh, including material that was in the licensed magazines to the point where he actually ended up being an extra on DS9 and Voyager a couple of times and did a couple of day in the life articles for, you know, being on, on set and actually ended up editing star Trek.com when they brought it back, when JJ Abrams rebooted the, that franchise. Sure. So we got a chance to talk. And the funny thing is we, we talked, we did the interview while I'm in the car in Chicago driving around trying to find the hotel <laughs> Wednesday night after we got after we got in we're doing all the all the stuff we got in on Wednesday we went to the McCormick place we shot all of the video stuff that we did that day and then we're going to the hotel and we're driving around and I'm doing the interview and McKenna's got her phone and she's recording us doing the interview <laughs> it's like, and I'm still trying to watch GPS and try to find our hotel at the same time it was it's crazy uh, the stories we could tell right yeah but we uh, we don't have time to tell those stories tonight we've actually gone over by about half an hour um, that's the we nature that of sometimes. live stuff so here's what I'm going to do I'm going to hold this up to the camera because oh wait no i've got do i have a graphic i think i've got a graphic let's stand by here let me look i want to i want to look at there okay so we have a show called salacious crumbs which mm-hmm. you can find here on sci-fi for me tv mckenna tile mckenna tally every now and then again i still want to say riley but it's not riley anymore mckenna tally is our host uh, and you can see uh, her and me on all of the live streams that we did. That's still over there. But you look at the Salacious Crumbs playlist, you can see all of the episodes that we've done. We're in our fourth season. That's all of the Star Wars news. And right. then we have uh, our, on our on our Doctor Who side of things, Mr. Harvey and the guys from the Traveling the Vortex podcast. They are uh, the 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 team. What discusses Doctor Who over on Tardis Sauce, and that's a that's a show that uh, comes out 
every Wednesday when we have an episode. There you know, a couple of times we've had some breaks in there. And then uh, we have a show called The Trailer Park. We mentioned that earlier. This last episode we just dropped, we're talking about episode nine trailer. So all of those shows you can find here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. And uh, we're very proud of all of this content. We're, uh, we're, we're very happy to bring you all of this stuff and things. We do a lot of stuff here. Um, but yeah, check all of that stuff out. Uh, you can find them. They're all separated out into their own playlists for each show. And, uh, and uh, over on the .com, sci-fi-for-me.com, you can find all sorts of news articles, including our tribute to Starlog, which is ongoing right now. We'll have more articles drop throughout this week and next. Uh, and then um, I guess we're going to live here Monday nights at 8 o'clock. Uh, for the H2O podcast, at least That's for the fine. foreseeable future, just to see how this uh, how this time slot does for us. Next week, there will be a new episode of Salacious Crumbs, uh, Monday Night at 7. We'll drop it on, uh, on YouTube, so you can watch that. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we do have, besides the Super Chats, uh, we do have a Subscribestar account that started up, $5 a month, if you want to support us over there. This is kind of like Patreon, uh, only uh, uh, a little bit different. And uh, you can support us uh, through that if you want. It's a, a totally uh, optional. And then, of course, we want to thank our sponsor, uh, SuperheroStuff.com. Remember, Sci-Fi for Me 10 is the code you use to check out and get 10% off your order. And that's going to do it for us this week. We will do it all again next week. Maybe not go... Uh, uh, an hour and a half next week or maybe we will i don't know we'll see a lot of it's just going to depend on what kind of yeah well see funnily enough we didn't digress that much this time i know but we had a lot to talk about that's right so uh so anyway all right so that's going to do it for us this week thanks very much for uh for watching for joining us for uh for jumping in and uh leaving your comments in the chat and uh tim hopefully your arm gets better soon I'm sure it will. Uh, always a pleasure. All right. Thanks very much for watching, folks. We will be back next Monday at 8 p.m. Central. Good night. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.